oh, we shouldn't do this, we should do that. And it's only when he breaks down and invites us to, to break down with humility. I don't know. Please show me, you know, and uh, as long as we're full of ourselves, there's no uh, uh, latitude, no, no flexibility, no openness to receive the teaching. A question asked courageously, answered honestly, and lived authentically can change your whole life. For me, that question was, how can I use what I have, what I love, and what I know to bless the lives of others? The School for Good Living and this podcast are one answer to that question. Hi, I'm Brian Miller. I know that the world can work for everyone, but that it won't until it works for you. I've created this to help you make the difference you were born to make. It's a series of conversations with thought leaders who are moving humanity forward. And in each episode, I explore their lives and the work they do. I also ask them to break down how they've gotten their books written, published, and read. This podcast is all about exploring the magic and mystery, and sometimes the misery, of the creative process. So if you have a mission, a message, and a motivation to share it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the School for Good Living. Today, my guest is Isaac Bentwich who's a longtime practitioner and teacher of yoga and meditation. He is trained as a medical doctor. He is also a scientist. He's founded three life science technology companies that are leading revolutions in medicine, genomics, and environmental conservation. The vision and many of the innovations for these companies came while he was taking solitary silent retreats in the foothills of the Himalayas and elsewhere which we talk about his experience in this interview, what that was like, why he did it, what the most joy he found in doing it was. We talk about the fact that the book that we explore in this conversation, the Gita, is a classic text of Hindu scripture that has spanned 12 years of his life. Now, think about spending 12 years of your life working on a single project, maybe you have or more, but I don't know many people that devote that kind of energy to a single project for that long. I call that a scripture, but don't let that scare you away. doesn't matter what your faith background is. When you see the list of people who attribute incredible breakthroughs and improvements in the quality of their life, people ranging from Beethoven to Leonard Cohen, Goethe to Carl Jung, Schrodinger and Oppenheimer and Emerson and Thoreau, Gandhi, Chopra, Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, Yogananda, so many people have talked about how incredible this timeless text is. It's been, as we discussed in this interview, already translated about 200 times into English. Why did the world need one more translation? Well, part of what I love about this is what the Bhagavad Gita teaches is to work without any thought for the fruit of your labor, to be fully engaged in the present moment, giving your best, enjoying giving your gift. And that's what he did. I think he's made a wonderful book. I think we have a great conversation. We do have this conversation over the telephone from his location in Israel. So there was a bit of a poor connection. Some parts might be a little bit hard to hear, but I think it's worth the effort. Not a lot of effort, but try it out. With that, I will just say that in virtually every area, in every area of this conversation, there's something to take away. Isaac is a soft-spoken person. He's not going to shout at you. He's not going to try to convert you, but through his life experience, and I believe the wisdom he's attained through his own meditation and self-work and the kind of dedication that it takes to work on a book like this and 
put it out into the world for the benefit of others. I think you stand to take away a lot of benefit from his work. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Isaac Bentwich. Isaac, welcome to the School for Good Living. Hi, Brian. I'm uh, delighted to be here. Isaac, will you tell me, please, what is life about? <laughs> Straight to the point. <laughs> <laughs> the book uh, we will be discussing uh, uh, today uh, in uh, a book called the Gita, on uh, the, the study and translation of which is uh, occupied uh, uh, many years of this uh, lifetime uh, for me gives a 700 verse long answer to this uh, question. The short of it, I, for me, I, I believe the, the different schools, different religions along the, the, the wise people before us tell us uh, we're here to learn. We're here to evolve. That's the long and short of it. We're here to learn and evolve and we do so by serving others and playing the role that we uh, uh, have been given in, in the external uh, uh, life. Uh, and, and so I think that that would be my answer. Mm, thank you. So when you meet someone, or maybe when you're introduced from a stage or in an event or something, how do you like to be introduced? How do you like to describe yourself? Mm. Well, that, that also is a, is a deep question. Uh, I'm a medical doctor by training. I'm an entrepreneur by profession. The inner journey has always been where my center of gravity and where my interest um, um, is focused. As time went by, uh, that uh, latter part, the, the inner one, has uh, has become, and I'm blessed in it, becoming more and more uh, significant in my life. So uh, I, I, I don't know, who am I? You know, there was a, a big, a, a, a very significant teacher, uh, Ramana Maharishi, who, uh, for whom the, this uh, question, who am I, is the, the culmination, the totality of the inner journey in general. So uh, I'm Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a valid answer. We'll accept that. I know that can be a challenging question to answer. And at the same time, I know that however we choose to answer that can also reveal a lot about how we think of ourselves or how we want to be known. You know, often what we do in the world or maybe don't do. So thank you for that. That's you, you did a great job. <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk now about the book that you have created. I'm not sure how to say it. Do you say the book you translated, the book you've written? How do you... Sure. What I've uh, written is a translation of this uh, ancient book. The, the, the book itself, the original text, is uh, fondly called the Gita for short. The full, the full name is Bhagavad Gita which is translated as the divine song or song of the divine. Uh, what I wrote is a translation uh, of the book. It's not a literal translation, uh, but uh, one that, that uh, tries to uh, make it uh, as accessible and palatable and meaningful for uh, contemporary readers like you and me uh, here and now. So it is a translation. Uh, at the same time, it is a, uh, and I've done my best to uh, stay true to the, the book itself and not to uh, 
uh, use it as an excuse or uh, for in my views it's uh, a translation that's very strict to the, the original every single verse I've done my best to capture the essence uh, of it uh, but uh, since it's a poetic translation one of the uh, unique aspects of it has been recapturing in English the uh, original meter and rhyme of the Sanskrit original. So in a sense, it's also uh, writing a, a poem, a 700 verse poem. Uh, so it is a translation, but, but certainly a, a, a literary task uh, in, its, uh, in its own right. So this, this translation, as you just said, a 700 verse poem, and I understand that you devoted 12 years of your life, or at least some portion of 12 years of your life to translating this poem. That is correct, yes. Perhaps uh, to, to give a bit more background uh, here, I first met the Gita, as I mentioned, I'm a medical uh, doctor by training. When I was back in medical school in, in 1985, I met the, the Gita first. And uh, I met it when I was uh, doing a month-long intensive uh, yoga and meditation uh, teacher training course. Here in Israel, I'm a native of the, of Israel. Travel a lot to the U.S. and have worked in the U.S. etc. But uh, Israel is my uh, home uh, country. When I did this month-long course, uh, it was a very significant experience for me, and I liked everything, almost everything about it, very much. The yoga, the, the meditation. There was some philosophy, which uh, was uh, okay by me. The one thing that I really hated was the Gita. Uh, there was an hour a day of a, a class on uh, on Gita. And for the life of me, I'm, I'm very much connected to my Jewish roots. I have a, a, a deep, deep uh, connection to Christianity and a deep respect to Buddhism and Hinduism, etc. For the life of me, I, I, I could not relate or connect to the mythology and the, this uh, whole bloodshed thing, the, the, the war that's about to, the, the, the story seems at, at first glance seems to be about. Yep. But for the benefit of our listeners who might be like me before college, because I didn't know about the Gita until my 20s, until my late 20s, when I was an Asian studies major and it was a mandatory reading in one of my courses, but I had no idea what it was. How do you, for people who might not be familiar with what this book even is, will you take just a few moments and describe it? Yeah, yeah, sure. We're getting ahead of myself. No, no, no. That's uh, where I asked you to go. So thank you. <laughs> so, so the Gita is one of the the world's most famous spiritual texts. It's on the same caliber as the Bible and the Quran. And about as popular, uh, it's a text that dates back at least uh, 2,500 years back and uh, summarizes or touches upon the more ancient uh, teachings from India that are 5,000 years old. So uh, it is a brief text that, as we said earlier, uh, talks about the, the most uh, deep uh, questions in life. What is the meaning of life? What are the paths uh, to happiness? 
the text itself is a dialogue between a spiritual seeker, an Indian prince called Arjuna, and his uh, teacher, his master, Krishna is his name, who is uh, also his uh, friend, his charioteer, and no less than God incarnate. And so it is a dialogue that uh, takes place at the battlefield, the, the prince is being attacked by vicious uh, family uh, members who are out to uh, kill him. It's always always family, isn't it? It's always family that's always out to get us. Family, <laughs> yeah. They talk about uh, going back for the holiday. So, so <laughs> there's uh, uh, these are uh, family relatives that are not only making his life miserable, but actually uh, want him dead. And uh, he's uh, distraught, obviously, uh, being a pacifist by inclination and not a violent uh, man, doesn't know what to do. Uh, should I fight and kill them? Should I uh, not fight and die myself? And uh, he turns to his friend, his charioteer, and uh, as, as I said, uh, God himself. And so it, it, uh, uh, it is there that uh, this uh, afternoon chat with God Begins. Imagine the, the situation. If you had an opportunity to have this nice uh, chat with God, hey, God, tell me, what is this world about? What's the meaning of life? What's, what's, the, all of the, what's the story here? That's what the Gita uh, is about. And yeah, from there and follows a, a dialogue between master and disciple, a, a dialogue which is timeless, which is not related to any religion or belief, but rather a, a sort of a common ground for all uh, religions, paths, and schools of thought of the uh, inner journey. Yeah, thank you for that for that overview. And before we go back to the story you have in process with us, I just want to also say and acknowledge you as a medical doctor for studying yoga. I sure wish that more of the physicians in the United States were also yoga practitioners, for what it's worth, <laughs> I wish. Yeah, yeah. for me, it has been and continues to be a journey. I studied medicine and I actually then studied Ayurveda, which is the Indian school of medicine, sort of like acupuncture, like the Chinese medicine, but related to yoga. But uh, as time went by, I, I, more and more the themes of the Gita, and as a physician as well, uh, my interest uh, uh, gravitated more towards the uh, medicine of the of the soul and not just of the mind and body. Mm, that, that's beautiful. That's very that's very beautiful. And, and I'm also really curious when you said that you had your first encounter when you first met. Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, <laughs> yeah. that you didn't like it very much. I'm reminded of the Hollywood formula for every romantic comedy, every <laughs> pretty much every romantic film is that the the two yeah. lovers don't end up yeah. liking each other at the beginning. <laughs> so, so this is intact. And I'm curious. I might be jumping a little ahead in the story, but what I'm I'm really interested to know. What's your first language? Is Hebrew your first language? And what language did you encounter the Gita in? And then to do a translation in English, which is not your first language, will you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, sure. So, so my mother tongue is, is uh, Hebrew. I grew up uh, during my childhood. I, I, uh, I spent several years in the U.S., two years in New York uh, as a younger kid, and then another year in, in Los Angeles uh, following my 
father, who is a professor of medicine and uh, was uh, at the Rockefeller University and then at U a visiting professor at UCLA. And so English uh, is, is a, a language I feel comfortable, very comfortable with, uh, but my uh, it is a second language uh, for me. I first uh, encountered the, the Gita in Hebrew. The 12 years of work were... Uh, that were actually the, the first draft within these seven, the, the, the 12 years. I first work on, worked for seven years on a draft which was in Hebrew, which was more uh, easy for me as a, because I, it wasn't about translating it. There, I, I forgot to say, there, there are about 200, over 200 translations of this sacred book to English. So this is like translation to 201. Right, which I'm really glad you raised because I definitely want to ask you, and while we're here, I will. Why did the world need 201? <laughs> why did it need one more? Why make this book? Yeah, it was really a, a, a labor of love and something which I did for myself for many years, not with a clear vision of I need to uh, write this for others as much as being um, you mentioned the, the rom-com uh, uh, formula of, of hate first and uh, infatuation later. I fell in love head over heels in love <laughs> with this uh, book, and it, it became a, a, a major thing uh, for me. And so I was so taken with these uh, prayers of wisdom that I just had to play with them and to write them uh, just to, 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 uh, to absorb. And, and so it was uh, something that, that I, I did really... If, if for myself, and, and then it turned out to, to be something which I, I have felt very strongly about sharing with, with others. There are many great uh, uh, translations. I think, uh, of course, each translation reflects the, the viewpoint of the, of the translator. My goal was viewing the Gita and, and making it as accessible as I can perhaps better than, uh, uh, than, than other translations, as a guide, a handbook uh, for uh, this inner journey. And as such, uh, peeling off the layers of mythology, which uh, uh, irked me when I first read the, the, uh, the Gita, and, uh, and, and putting it in, uh, on, on the one hand in, uh, as simple and clear language as possible with the urgency that is so typical of the Gita and with this uh, melodiousness. Many people don't know, but the name Gita is actually song. And so uh, it is not a text of, although it deals with the most uh, deep uh, questions of philosophy and the meaning of life, etc., it is not a text of wisdom or a text of uh, meditation but rather a song that conveys these uh, deep uh, truths. And, uh, and it cannot be otherwise because it is in all different uh, traditions to reach inside. You have to go beyond your intellect, beyond words, beyond logic. And so uh, art is, is really the, the way there. And, and poetry is, is that which uh, opens our heart and allows us to use the intellect to go beyond the intellect. Yeah, that's such a beautiful... That's such a beautiful description, you know, to use the intellect to go beyond the intellect. And I know, especially in the Western world, we spend so much time in our minds, so much time thinking. 
yeah that to, to even have the thought to go beyond thought is somewhat strange perhaps but of course not strange at all in eastern some eastern traditions and what you said about this being like pearls and you talk about this toward the end of your book and in, in the translation i really love that where you say that you did your best to smooth these pearls of wisdom so that they harmoniously roll around in your mind doing their work uh, yeah, th this this is actually uh, uh, since this this is a, a text. Uh, again, I, I respect the, the different translators, different readers uh, can approach this and can benefit and enjoy this uh, very special uh, book in for different ways for its aesthetic beauty, for its uh, historic value, for its religious uh, aspect, for its philosophical uh, brilliance. The, the real gold for me is in uh, that this is a, a, a practical guide as you scale the summit of your uh, inner self. This difficult ultimate journey uh, inside, this is what the, uh, the book is about. And so this is not uh, just a, a, a nice sounding words. It's a book, uh, these are verses that are meant to be meditative. They're meant to, and they do roll around in our mind. This translation or that translation, it doesn't matter. The original melodiousness of the, the Sanskrit text, and now in English, uh, allows this to, to happen. And we'll, um, I'm sure we can, we can take some examples of, of such verses and, and uh, get, a, get a feel for them. Definitely. And let's go there, because maybe that's one of them that's key in this story of when so if I understand right, you're a young medical student and you go on a month-long retreat. That's a long time, by the way. <laughs> so you, so you, you're, you're there for a month and every day you have basically in the schedule is one hour of devoted study to the Bhagavad Gita, which you are not enjoying. But at some point, clearly, when you go on to spend 12 years of your life translating this text, something happens. So maybe was there a single verse or a single moment that it was like your perspective, your experience changed? That's a good question. It, I once uh, wrote a, a love poem put to my to my wife and uh, and love uh, guessing, uh, where I wrote slowly, slowly, and all at once I fell in love with you. Uh, all at uh, slowly, uh, gradually I fell in love with you all at once. And so there are things that happened. Uh, slowly, slowly, and all at once. And uh, that was uh, also for me with, with the Gita, I think. Um, but, you know, just uh, taking a, uh, perhaps, a, can, I, can I read a few verses that give you a, a sampling of the, of the, the music? Uh, and the, uh, perhaps this, this uh, helps convey what, uh, uh, what I found in it. So we, we mentioned, you know, there's this, uh, it's a dialogue between, disciple and master uh, and it, it is happening in, in the uh, least likely of, of settings you know this is not uh, Christ on the Mount of Beatitude uh, it's not uh, Buddha in Sarnath or under the Buddha, Buddha tree these are teachers that, that uh, gather with their disciples in a serene setting here is the dialogue at the between two armies that are about to fight, and you uh, sort of question that: what's what's the why this uh, violent uh, setting? And after a while, it sort of sinks in that this is actually perfect, you know, because when you're about to engage in battle, and this battle is is really a, a metaphor for the 
battlefields in our daily life. Uh, it is uh, not a dialogue, not some historic text long ago, but rather it is the autobiography of each and every one of us as we journey back home to our inner self. And so when you're in the midst of a battle or about to engage in, in battle, there's, you have zero tolerance for philosophy and uh, for uh, the theories you want to cut to the chase. And this is the, the, it, uh, that sense of urgency and practicality is, uh, is very typical to the, to the Gita. And so as the, the prince says to the, the master, hey, I don't want to fight. These are my relatives. How can I kill them? And he ends uh, up saying, a veil of pity routes my heart. Mind's dark. Where does my duty lay? Guide me, master. What ought I do? I'm your disciple. Show me the way. This is after many verses where he's sort of on his stump uh, lecturing to the teacher. Oh, we shouldn't do this. We should do that. And it's only when he breaks down and invites us to, to break down with humility. I don't know. Please show me. You know, and uh, as long as we're full of ourselves, there's no uh, uh, latitude, no, no flexibility, no openness to receive the teaching. And so the next verses, which I'll, I'll read briefly, thus spoke the brave warrior prince, conqueror of sleep, master of will. I shall not fight, he added, and then spoke no more and was still. Then to him, between the two armies, disconsolate by these tormenting trials, the master ruler of senses spoke, wearing the faintest, of smiles. And you can almost see the, this Buddha-like smile. What are you smiling? My life is in a shambles. I don't know what I should do. How can you be smiling at that? But then the master, uh, of course, this uh, silent smile is, is uh, uh, of, of this deep, deep wisdom, which is reflected in the, these next two verses, which I wanted to, to, uh, uh, to share. You speak words of wisdom, O Prince says the master, but your sorrow is in vain, for the truly wise never mourn, neither the living nor the slain. There was never a time we were not, me or you or these enemy kings, nor can there be any future in which we ever cease being. I'll I, I stop here, but you know, this, you, you get a sense for the, this melodiousness. You're not the body, you're not the mind, says the, the master. Uh, we live in this cloud of thoughts and we identify with the body and, uh, and with logic and with the, the mind and with our views and, uh, and so forth. And so this uh, earth shattering, uh, you asked about what was it that, that uh, drew me in. These were the verses that, that sort of pull the rug under our feet and begin this wonderful discourse that, that lasts for the next uh, 700 verses. Mm. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I'll admit that I have not found myself completely smitten with this text just yet, not your translation, the, the Gita generally. And, and yet I recognize its mystery, its beauty, and from the words of so many other people whom I respect and admire, the impact that it's had for them. And I wonder if, if you'd be willing to take just a moment, and in fact, I think for maybe a casual listener or a lay audience, to be honest, this might be the place that I would kind of begin earlier in this interview by saying, 
Okay, Isaac. So it's really interesting. You spend a decade translating a 700 verse, <laughs> you know, poem. But so what? Who cares? And kind of the response might be, well, let me let me share with you a few people that this book has made a difference for. Would you be willing to talk about who has this book impacted and what kind of difference has it made for them? Yeah, yeah. So the, that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's really remarkable. The, it's it's really a book that that has. Uh, in a magical way, has has uh, touched the, the throughout the centuries uh, in different continents. Um, first, in 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 the, in the East, it is considered the uh, the text of meditation and mindfulness. You know, there's a lot of uh, commotion and interest these days uh, around mindfulness and, and so forth. This is the Bible, in a sense, on, on mindfulness. So beginning from people like Gandhi, you know, with all uh, Gandhi, uh, obviously, was the, the, uh, the inspiration for Martin Luther King and, uh, and for, uh, for, for social reform movements all over the world. And, and Gandhi, who single-handedly brought down the British Empire to its knees, says, I owe it all to the Gita. He views his life and his work as manifestation of the Gita. But uh, forget the East. I've read that Gandhi referred to the Gita as his spiritual dictionary. What what do you think he meant by that? That's that's a very apt uh, description. Uh, It is really a a guidebook uh, for, for daily living. He, he eventually said that the two quotes that, that uh, touch me even more, he says, today the Gita is not only my Bible or my Quran. It is much more than that. It is my mother. When I'm in sorrow or distress, I seek comfort in her bosom. So here is someone who is a Hindu in the bloody uh, dispute between uh, uh, Buddhist, uh, between uh, Muslims and the uh, and uh, Islam at uh, at that time of the founding of India, and he says this is uh, not only my Bible which he loved or my Quran, it is my mother. But you know beyond the and so a dictionary for living, yes, it is a book which we which helps us tap our own inner wisdom, not in some external doctrine, a dictionary in the sense of, okay, look up fatigue or anger or whatever, and you'll find a recipe what to do, but rather as a, a, a something that, that beckons you to listen to the inner voice of your soul, which has this wisdom of, of, of daily living, how to, uh, how to uh, live here and now. In that sense, it's, it's a very practical text or manuscript. But, uh, you know, beyond the, 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 uh, the East, a uh, striking thing is, is the, just the width of the breadth of, of the type of people that, that were inspired by it. Uh, apparently, Beethoven uh, scribbled the verse of the Gita in his personal diary. Philip Glass wrote a medical piece about it. Leonard Cohen mentioned it as, as a source of inspiration. George Harrison sang it. Will Smith says he's digging it. The, the great, the early and the great American poets were all talk about the Gita. But beyond that, the physicist of the theoretic of quantum physics Schrodinger uh, and, and, and the other founders of, of, the, of quantum physics uh, 
um, were taken by this, uh, the philosophy that the, the Gita uh, manifests, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, who uh, headed the Manhattan Project, the, the project of developing the, the atomic bomb, even went to uh, as, as so far as to uh, study Sanskrit so that he can read this book in its original and kept a copy at his desk. And the list goes on and on from the greatest uh, philosophical uh, spiritual teachers to a uh, physicist to a uh, creative mind throughout the ages. These are all people that found the Gita a source of, uh, of inspiration and, and light. And not insignificantly, some other folks, you know, that are in line with who you're speaking about, but Deepak Chopra, Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, some of whom have also blurbed your book, which is fantastic, Larry Dossie. That's pretty awesome. So thank, thank you for sharing that. And I hope, you know, and I suppose that I asked that first to in an attempt to serve the listener because I know that every one of us is attempting to find a deeper, richer, more meaningful quality of life and and we're we're kind of got our feelers out most of us pretty much all the time and it's not that we're necessarily looking to abandon or move away from you know any of our current beliefs or traditions yet I think we all acknowledge there's pretty much always room for improvement and if this is something that might and it might benefit you, you know, if you're listening to this, I highly encourage you to pick it up. And specifically, this translation, I mean, as as you mentioned, as Isaac mentioned, there's a lot of of great translations that have already been done or celebrated and well-respected, but especially if any part of this conversation with Isaac and who he is and why he's taken this as a significant part of his work, which by the way, I, I realize we covered a lot of ground early simplistically by asking you to describe who you are and to just say that you're a medical doctor and an entrepreneur and a scientist that's very humble and what you've accomplished, which you know we can perhaps talk a bit about or people can learn more online, is pretty remarkable to me. And, and I tend to think of you in the realm of a polymath, someone who has a great diverse set of interests and skills and the fact that you would create this and then share it is is really um, wonderful to me. And in fact, I'm inspired very much to revisit the Gita th- through your translation. So, so anyway, a few thoughts and invitations f- there. So thank you. Yeah, th- th- uh, thank you. My life has been uh, very fortunate and, and exciting uh, in that, as, as you've uh, indicated, um, I, I trained as a medical uh, doctor uh, and then uh, got drawn into uh, into high tech. I founded and led uh, three technology companies uh, over these past 28 years. I was fortunate to see each one of them become world leader in its prospective uh, narrow fields, uh, from uh, medicine to genomics to uh, agriculture and the nature conservation. So I've, I've done interesting things in my life and, and have been very fortunate to uh, to be working with uh, groups of wonderful, very talented, uh, brilliant people that, that uh, uh, led revolutions in these different uh, fields. And all along, uh, yoga and meditation and the uh, religion and the spiritual aspect have, have always been a, the innermost, the, the perhaps the and drama behind the external one. And so for me, uh, uh, the, the work on the Gita, which I'm passionate in, in sharing, is because it weaves in, I've, I've seen it in my life and in the life of, of students that, that uh, I've shared this with, it's, it is really a powerful uh, 
uh, invitation to change our lives um, and to uh, accelerate for those of us interested in that which is beyond the, the, the mere external success, as well as for those interested in the external success. Uh, the Gita is, is a... Uh, a, a very, very powerful, uh, profound invitation for profound uh, change. And so I've witnessed it in, in, in my life. Uh, I often think of uh, these verses as, as what has kept me sane uh, through uh, insane periods in my life. So in a sense, uh, like the original text of the Gita, this is why I bonded uh, with it. The, the invitation is not a philosophical one, here is an interesting book, you read it and you will be able to recite a few more theories and you'll be the, the uh, admired for it and being able to do so. No, 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 no. It's uh, about changing your life. If you're looking to change your life, if you're looking for uh, to find a more meaning in your life and uh, the external career and the creativity and, and, uh, and so forth, being a part of that, here is a very powerful Toolset uh, within these pages. Yeah, I, I really like that. And and you include in here a few quotations from some recognizable figures who talk about the Gita. And you include one from a teacher that I really admire, Yogananda. And it's right in line with what you're saying now, where he says, Gita is a book of universal self-realization, introducing man to his true self, the soul. It is the golden path, both for the busy man of the world and for the highest spiritual aspirant. So not just, like you're saying, not just philosophy or, you know, spiritual concepts without any foundation, but things that it sounds like can really help us in our in our day-to-day life. Yes, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, one of the, the great disciples of Yogananda in, in the, our generation, uh, Mickey Singer, Michael Singer, also yes. of the Untethered Soul and the... Uh, the surrender experiment, uh, dear soul, uh, who was kind enough to, to uh, also give a kind endorsement of this uh, book, is, is really following the footsteps of, of uh, Yogananda and, and uh, being a, a, both successful in, in uh, the business world, doing so from a, a, a strong groundedness in this uh, inner journey. And, and uh, the Gita is, is a is a great company for, for those of us that, that want to follow in this direction. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I have just a few more questions in this section before we transition. How are you doing? I'm good. Having fun. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So I have, I have three, at least three more questions that I want to ask. One is about, one is about Sanskrit. I love language. I'm fascinated by Sanskrit in particular. I visited India a few times now. I understand there's something like, I don't know how many languages and dialects, but probably approaching at least a thousand on that subcontinent. <laughs> Very interesting. And so I'm, I'm interested to get from your experience about Sanskrit and about, I don't know if you'd call it ancient Sanskrit or something, because I've heard something to the effect that Sanskrit, and maybe this some of this is romanticism or idealization or something, but but about something about how it's a pure, it's it's a pure language and it's it's beautiful and it has a spiritual quality and there's something else like people that it's remained unchanged. I guess that's pure, and and so I'm interested to hear like when Oppenheimer learns to read Sanskrit. I've certainly heard people learning to read German to read 
whatever, Nietzsche or Goethe or whatever. But what, what was your experience like of learning it? How hard is it? What would you say to someone else who was thinking about it? And just generally, so there's a lot of questions there, but just will you talk about Sanskrit for a bit? Sure. So Sanskrit, first, I'm, I'm not a Sanskrit scholar. I uh, did this translation. I've, I've learned rudimentary Sanskrit so I can read the letters and I can understand, can follow and see certain words. That, uh, and so that was very helpful. But I actually, since uh, this is a text that has been translated uh, by, by masters, including several uh, word-by-word translations, I actually worked from English from translations that, that had the translation and commentary, for example, by a master called the, the Swami Shivananda. I considered a teacher of mine, passed away in 64, I think. So I worked from uh, English translations that, uh, and, and don't purport to, to be a Sanskrit uh, scholar. Uh, Sanskrit is a holy language in a sense uh, like Hebrew is in that like any language it has uh, many different meanings for, for uh, and more than, than other languages uh, and again like uh, Hebrew every word has uh, different meanings and connotations which is why in the translation by the way I, I went along with not trying to uh, become a, a master of the language uh, itself, uh, but rather relying on the interpretation of the realized uh, masters, uh, and then just focusing on on making it accessible and to to a contemporary uh, reader. Um, the, the 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 melodiousness of the of the Sanskrit and the uh, the mantras, the energy that is there within the sounds of this uh, language are are unique. And the the goal with this translation has been to uh, try and recreate since uh, learning it is something that for most people is beyond the the scope. Learning and being able to understand the verses in the original is something that for most people, myself included, was not realistic. And I was taken by this analogy metaphor that, that you mentioned earlier of these rolling pearls. As you read these verses, in even a few verses, you get the sense of how they really roll around in your mind. Uh, and so smoothing them and presenting them in English, in, in a language which, which we feel comfortable with, again, taking us our, uh, away from intellectualization. This is a very important theme uh, that, that I, I suggest we, we uh, sort of let it linger in our mind. Uh, the, the intellect... Uh, we tend for, to to over intellectualization. Uh, we all know that uh, this is our culture. The invitation is, uh, and so we're junkies of uh, words and theories and then the concepts, etc. And even when we go to a spiritual path, then immediately, uh, oh, Sanskrit. Well, maybe I learned it. Oh, what's the, the meaning of the, the and, and the, this is mind uh, speaking. And so when we let the simple uh, Khalil Gibran once uh, said, if you want to, to be close to God, uh, don't uh, be a solver of riddles. And this is, uh, uh, it is that simplicity which the invitation here is, is to, uh, to follow. So that's some thoughts on Sanskrit. Wow. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. I would love to know if you ever engage or have ever engaged in uh, Bibliomancy using this text. That might not be a term that you would call it, but I know it's not uncommon. In, in what? Sorry, in what? 
something something that I've heard referred to as bibliomancy, which is maybe that's not the term that that you would know it by or maybe appropriate to call it this, but this idea that when you're looking for the answer to a problem or a challenge or you're just looking for inspiration or guidance that you hold that image in your mind, flip through the pages of the text, settle on one without looking and see what kind of insight or guidance that that particular passage might provide. Do you ever do you ever find yourself doing that? At first, I thank you. I did, I did not know the the term, so so thanks for for educating me. Yeah, sure. The the, uh, the, the almost each verse in the Gita uh, is a a mantra. Is sufficient food to meditate on, and a, a dear teacher uh, you may know, Ekanat Ishoran lived in, in San Francisco and was also a, a, a keen a teacher of the Gita, pretty famous in the, in, in, of the people that, that brought the, this the philosophy to the, to the West. He spoke about passage meditation, meditating and then within meditation, using a verse uh, or a theme to, to focus uh, on it. And it may be a theme from, from one of the uh, scriptures. And the Gita is, is, uh, is an excellent uh, source uh, for these. Uh, when I teach the Gita, I, I usually uh, do it uh, around a, a, a verse a day and, and letting that verse uh, sink in and, and uh, within the peacefulness of meditation revisiting that thing. So back to your question, yeah, uh, opening the book, whether you go methodologically or whether you open it uh, uh, by chance, let the intuition pick its verse, uh, that's a very powerful approach. In fact, we spoke about Gandhi earlier, and uh, at the beginning of the, the book, I, I used a, a quotation from uh, from Gandhi, says uh, when... Uh, Actually, it was at the beginning of the book, and then I moved it to the uh, before chapter 18. I've got this on page 213. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When doubts haunt me, when disappointments stare me in the face, and when I see not one light light, uh, ray of light on the horizon, I turn to the Gita and find a verse to comfort me. And immediately, in the midst of overwhelming sorrow, I begin to smile. So here is your... uh, and um, he's uh, to the T, uh, uh, using the, the technique that, that you mentioned. Yeah, and I and I realized, by the way, I, and I did just Google the term to make sure I was clear. Technically, bibliomancy refers to attempting to use a text to foretell the future. So it's not quite the same. But I wondered, and and I appreciate your response of telling me, you know, how you used it in Eknath, Esfarin, and and Gandhi here. But yeah, I want I wondered. I, I know some people in every faith use a similar thing where they attempt to maybe let their intuition or a higher power guide them to a passage independent of their rational mind and it's interesting so thank you cool okay the last thing the last thing that i just that i want to ask you about i've been i've been really curious about a, a concept i've heard of in in first in japanese and in chinese kind of a taoist concept this of non-doing some people refer to as Wu Wei, effortless action, spontaneous right action, you know, this kind of thing. And and I, I know that we often attempt to use words to describe experiences and phenomena and things like that without, <laughs> sometimes for me at least, without much success. But I'm wondering if if you'd be willing to talk at all, either from your own experience or maybe anything that the Gita points to about this. Is that a fair, does that a fair, does that question make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. The, the, uh, it's actually at the, uh, at the heart of the, of the, the Gita is this uh, equilibrium or synergy between these two approaches, the living in the world and being active in the world and this introspective uh, uh, training ourselves to, uh, to look inside, uh, realizing that it is the mind that we were trying to change and, and trying to break the habit of trying to uh, being addicted to the world and trying to change the, change the world outside. The, the, whole, the whole Gita is, is, is really revolving around that which you, uh, which you mentioned. The, uh, there's a verse that says the action within inaction and inaction that action contains one who uh, realizes this is uh, wise or something like that. And, you know, we tend to identify with our body and to uh, live a, a very active life with not much awareness of the mind. And so when you practice yoga, hatha yoga, you get more in touch or, or and when you meditate and whatever path you uh, you take you get more in touch and uh, and uh, train yourself to uh, find quiet even when uh, the body is in motion think of it like as an analogy think of tai chi movements right the, the body is moving but there's a stillness within or you're jogging or biking. So you're going through these rhythmic motions, you're sweating, you're exerting energy, or you're washing the dishes or you're uh, whatever you're doing, and changing the diaper or your, your, your body is engaged in work and uh, you're finding inner si- uh, silence and, and you could envisage the, the, the opposite uh, picture. You may be sitting still, uh, you, you may have purchased a, a house that's uh, on a serene, serene nature, and, uh, but your mind is in turmoil. So what, what good is that? Uh, that? So, uh, so, so that, uh, that art of living wisely, uh, not ignoring the world, not retreating from it, but using the, the short retreats and, and the practicing of the, the mind so that uh, both things are true, that, that we learn how to live the, the New Testament, the, the, the Christ reminds us, uh, be, of, uh, be in the world, but not of the world. So that, that is the, the, the theme, that, that is very much the theme of the Gita. Yeah, th- thank you for sharing, for sharing that. I'm, I'm, I'm continuously fascinated by understanding other you know, perspectives and experience with that. And that's, that's really helpful. So I appreciate that. Okay. So let's turn our conversation now to the enlightening lightning round. Again, this is a series of 10 questions that you're welcome to answer as long as you want. For my part, my aim is to ask the question and kind of step aside. This first one, by the way, is a reference to the film Forrest Gump. Did you ever see that film? Best picture, I think in 93. It's probably I'm probably due to rewatch that film. I think it's pretty special. But anyway, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now that you know, now that I've primed you for what the question is, I'll give you the rule. So the rule is, please complete the following sentence with something other than a box of chocolates. Life is like a blank. A wonderful journey. Okay. Number two. For this question, I'm shamelessly borrowing Peter Thiel's famous question. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? That the brilliant ideas 
that we seem to have are coming through us and are a, are a gift, a precious and sacred gift that is coming through us and belongs not to us. Thank you. Number three, if you were required every day for the rest of your life to wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it or a phrase or a saying or a quote or a quip, what would the shirt say? That will be done. Number four, what book have you gifted or recommended most often? Oh, that's a giveaway. <laughs> the Gita. <laughs> if you were to say, aside from your own translation, is there either another book or another translation? Oh, yeah. No, I, I did not mean it in a self-serving or, or not, not related to my translation. It, okay. Uh, the wonderful translations that uh, that I, I I can I can think of several other uh, uh, books that, that that are not the Gita, and so I'll, I'll broaden the the answer in a moment. But the excellent, moving translations. Uh, there is a uh, Christopher Isherwood's and Swami Prabhananda is a beautiful translation. Ekanat Ishwaran is a great commentary. Many many others. Uh, other books that I love uh, uh, giving and, and that have uh, shaped my life, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, Prophet uh, by Khalil Gibran. Yes, those are both wonderful books, I think. Okay, thank you for that. So question number five, I realize this might not be true that you travel a lot, but I'm assuming that you do or you have. I mean, you oh, shared yeah. with us all your yeah. time in the United States yeah. and all that. So, okay. Okay. So question number five. So you travel frequently. What's one travel hack, meaning something you do or something you own, that makes your travel less painful or more enjoyable? Interesting. I, I travel a lot as an aside, uh, which is uh, does not really uh, the first association that, that I have from, from the, this question. When I first traveled to India, I was there for seven months. I uh, went with a very, very small pack. Uh, it's uh, not much larger than, than a a computer case, and it had a text of the Maimonides, uh, this uh, Jewish philosopher physician from uh, a thousand years ago, that took up a quarter of the base that I had there, and another Indian text, uh, Yoga Vasishta, uh, is its name. So more books than than uh, than clothes, I, I guess, was the <laughs> way to and to say it. so so perhaps to to take it back to the practical advice that your the question was focused on i'd say make sure you pack a food for the soul and not just for the body mm, that's great thank you so the next okay the next question number 6 what's one thing you've started or stopped doing in order to live or age well started or stopped I started uh, bathing in the uh, cold sea. Uh, um, I live by the Mediterranean, so it's not uh, that cold. But uh, when we lived in New Zealand for uh, three years, I uh, picked up the habit of dipping in cold water. Everything is relative. So uh, going back to, uh, to Israel, uh, I enjoy whenever I get a chance uh, dipping in, in the ocean especially in the winter here where I have the sea to myself is, is a habit I, I uh, highly recommend. Things I stopped uh, doing in order to live a, a better. I'm pretty committed for many years now to try and uh, weed to the best of my very limited ability negative thoughts 
uh, and occupation with what other people are doing, especially in, in a negative uh, sense. There's enough to fix internally and very little control that we have on other people. And so for me, I, I try to be uh, aware of this uh, as, as I am with the calorie count and, and the healthy food for the body, um, making sure that we have proper diet for the soul. Mm, awesome. Thank you. Number seven, what's one thing you wish every American knew? To meditate. We're working on it. <laughs> you and I, we're working yeah. on it right now. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Number eight, what's the most important relationship advice you've ever heard and successfully applied? Most important or useful? I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the work of Byron Katie. She has a great uh, quote, uh, which, which I've, I've used here. It only takes one to have a great relationship. You. I love that. I've never heard that. I have heard. I do remember when, and I love that. I never heard that. I also love when I read in Yogananda's works, and, and this was one of those things that it, 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 I seem, I felt a little foolish never having realized this before, but when he pointed out, it only takes one person to stop an argument. That's right. <laughs> I was that, like, whoa. It's so powerful. So powerful. And so what Byron is saying, I think is right in line with that, but a different, a little bit of a different spin. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by, by, yeah Byron Katie. So, okay. Just, awesome. You know, just a, 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 so I, I don't a, a forget this, although it's probably not, not for the, 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 the interview itself. When I recently put up a, a wall of, of the pictures of virtual teachers that I admire in, in my studio where, where uh, I, I teach the, these classes of the guitar, a, a picture of uh, Romana Maharishi, uh, of his fa most famous quote is, is uh, inquire thus, who am I? And this is what he's known for, inquiring who are you? But I actually added another quote there, which I just recently found from him and, and, and touches upon your question here. And it is a quote that says, what, what about others? There are no others, which I found so powerful. This is at the very height of spiritual awakening. The realization is so uplifting, even if we think about it, even if we're very far from it. What about the others? There are no others. Yeah, Here is someone who is, who is beckoning us from his, uh, the, 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 the bright, uh, full awakened state. There is only unity. There is only God. There is only oneness. Wherever the notion uh, arises, me and her or me and him, reminding ourselves, you know, this is like your right hand biting your left hand. This makes sense only as long as you, uh, uh, igno only as long as you ignore that there is no right hand and left hand. There is no me and you. Only is is there or any word that, that you want to, uh, to use. Uh, no, not on a philosophical le uh, level. So with his beautiful gaze, the words are written beneath it. What about the others? There are no others. I love that. that that's, really, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. And number nine. So almost, almost there in this stretch. The, this question. So we've talked about, what have we talked about? We've talked about aging. We've talked about love. We've talked about money is next. <laughs> okay. So aside from compound interest, what's the most important thing you've ever learned about money or what's something you're always sure to do with it or to never do with it? 
not to disrespect it, to enjoy it where joyfully, uh, playfully, when it's there in abundance, and uh, remember to uh, keep uh, training ourselves and modesty and simplicity of, of life so that uh, we're not addicted to its own, uh, to its uh, presence. Mm, thank you. Okay, and question number 10, final question here in the Enlightening Lightning Round. If people want to learn more from you, or they want to connect with you, what would you have them do? There's the uh, website uh, of the related to this book, which is at uh, www.newgita.com. And I invite people to uh, find additional resources on that website and uh, uh, sign up for uh, uh, communications. We will be having additional uh, online courses and other activities uh, I'm happy to serve uh, to the best of my ability to those who are interested. Awesome. Thank you. And as an expression of my gratitude to you for making time to share your experience and your knowledge and wisdom with me and everyone listening, I have gone on Kiva.org, the microlending site, and I have made a $100 microloan to a woman named Nazima who lives in Baka al-Garbiye, who will use this money to buy materials and dishes and cookware and improve the quality of life for her family and people in her community. So thank you for wow. giving me a reason thank to go so make much. that. Thank you so much. That's, that's well, it's my, my pleasure. Gesture. So with that, really, the final thing that I would love to invite you to, to talk about with me for just a few minutes is, is about writing, is about the creative process, it's about marketing or promotion, helping people learn, you know, that a work exists and why they might want it, anything like that. To be honest, at this point in the conversation, I don't have a specific question set. I don't have a specific intention other than to invite you to share anything you think might serve a reader or rather a listener who, who hopefully is also a reader who wants to do what you've done, not in the sense of necessarily translating a book, but in creating a book and getting it out in the world in a way that makes a difference. Sure. I'm not uh, one to for uh, a best uh, source of advice on, on marketing of uh, books, etc. So, so uh, but I, I will uh, share on on uh, the creative process and the uh, and the uh, writing. We're living in a in a wonderful, exciting phase where we the the, the ability to uh, have our words be out there and uh, influence and touch the lives of the others um, is unprecedented and so it's almost uh, it behooves us uh, for uh, those of us that that feel uh, the urge and the, the um, uh, to reach out to uh, um, to our friends to our fellow humanity uh, uh, people to uh, to use the platforms that that uh, are available uh, writing a book if you if you've not uh, done it before and are considering it is is much easier on the technical side than than you imagine uh, um, uh, and uh, your skills can be complemented by uh, people that will help with things that that you're less familiar with uh, anything from the book cover to the Marketing, the advertising, the uh, electronic book, uh, paperback book, uh, through Amazon, through other uh, outlets. Uh, this is all made uh, easy. The, the, the downside, of course, is that uh, 
it's a it's a drop in a in an ocean with the the uh, the flood of of, uh, of other books, uh, but that uh, that too is, is a journey. And then the uh, if if the passion is there, and uh, um, then uh, parting uh, uh, partnering with others that will complement the skill set that that you uh, bring will will be able to uh, help with with uh, getting the word out and then uh, sharing it with uh, others. Uh, you know, we live in a world in a, in a culture which is very much uh, mechanistic and then the practical in its approach, for better and worse. And so this next bit may be a bit less uh, popular. If it uh, if it should happen, it should happen. It will happen. And we are encouraged to do the best we can and not to worry too much about the the results. From my experience. This often leads to dramatic results the more we take this approach. Uh, and so uh, lastly, uh, I've spent, uh, I've been blessed to, to uh, spend many uh, years in, in the creative space, uh, uh, books being a part of it, entrepreneurships, uh, 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 starting and managing companies and projects, etc. And then the uh, dealing with uh, creative thinking uh, in different uh, uh, fronts, I uh, emphatically believe, I, I'm convinced, I know that the uh, creative power that each and every one of the of you, the listener, listening to this, far exceeds your wildest uh, imagination. Creativity is is a, a, a tremendous force within. The thing that's holding us back is the intellect and the noise. So it's it's more about uh, practicing the skills and getting help in, in practicing them of how to quiet the mind and how to master the mind. And it's like, uh, you know, if you think of a computer, if, uh, if your computer is, is uh, 95% the CPU is uh, dealing with uh, junk uh, tasks, then uh, clearly won't get done, get much uh, done. Uh, same is true for us in a in a more metaphysical or in a deeper spiritual uh, sense, and, and certainly on a, on a practical, uh, innovative uh, side by learning to be more in tune with our inner self and learning the techniques that help us quiet the mind. Uh, it is amazing the the, uh, the 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 brightness of of creativity that that uh, that comes from uh, within. Thank you for that. So I know you and I connected through Eileen Dune. Is that how she pronounces yeah, her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I mentioned to you in my in my email to you that she had suggested a few other guests that um, one I've had on, one I will have on, and I'm really grateful for that connection. Maybe you could talk about, if you're willing, don't mean to pry, <laughs> but who she is. And it's not, I guess it's less about her than what you were looking for, why, you know, how you found her, who, you know, who she is, that kind of what she's done, what you're, I don't mean to rate her, but just like giving people a sense of, because a lot of people aspire to write a book, but they maybe don't know what the journey ahead is or might be. Delighted to speak about uh, Eileen. Eileen, I've worked with uh, Eileen, I, I know she's super busy, and so uh, honored to to have her willing to uh, to work with me. Uh, and she's been uh, great in in uh, 
helping promote the, the, the book and get it onto a blog post and the, the interviews and other uh, outlets uh, within this uh, realm of uh, spirituality, self-help, etc. Um, so she, she, uh, she does other work as well. But within that, uh, it's been a joy and a pleasure to, to work with, and, uh, and I highly recommend uh, her and her services. I've been introduced to a mutual friend, and it has been a, 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 a great uh, friendship and, and uh, a great help, um, which uh, I, I unequivocally uh, recommend. That's great. Thank, thank you for sharing. Um, okay, so I know we've covered a lot and we've talked for what seems maybe seems like a long time, but what what didn't we cover that you'd like to talk about before we conclude? Is there anything that feels like oh we missed that or you'd like to share before we before we wrap up? No, I I, I think the one thing that that I didn't say um, I didn't say is that I it came up in one of your questions. Uh, I have spent significant periods of time in in. Uh, Meditation uh, retreats. Uh, uh, you mentioned the one month of the day at the beginning, but uh, I actually spent several times, uh, several months in in solitary, uh, silent uh, uh, retreat, uh, and both around this work with the Gita and, and not related uh, to it. Uh, and, and something which I highly recommend. So I, I don't know if that that uh, touches or, or but but uh, yeah that that's great. And when you say that you did several months, are you talking about were those in a single stretch or were they weeks? No, two and a half months in one instance, uh, four months in another, another couple of months, uh, and then many uh, another month in a, uh, another instance, uh, and then other times of the. A week or ten days, quite a few of those. Um, oh, so, if, so if I understand, uh, if I heard you correctly, that those were solitary, silent retreats. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I I know a few people I'd like to send on a solitary, silent retreat. <laughs> 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 no, but what was the greatest joy for you from doing those? Any time we spend uh, with ourselves in in silence, with uh, with proper guidance and, and practice, is very useful. Not in in uh, in a running from the world uh, sense, but actually in uh, getting to know yourself uh, uh, so much better, and in help of breaking the pattern and, and uh, helping us on, on this inner journey uh, that, that we're, we're talking about, uh, which then takes on or is, is in synergy with the, the, the main bulk of our life of the mortgage and relationships and children and the career, etc., which is as spiritual. It's not uh, one iota less, but, uh, you know, when you... Uh, whether you close your eyes for 15 or 20 minutes or longer of meditation in your day, or whether you go away for a weekend, or if your life enables you and, and, and you can either with a group or on your own spend a bit longer time with with yourself and, and shutting out the world, is that, that's very very helpful. I'll never forget the first time I, the uh, young uh, a medical student, uh, 
uh, actually at the, uh, after medical school. So a young physician went to India um, after uh, quite uh, uh, quite a few years of, of practicing meditation and yoga, etc., and, and uh, traveling to India for the first time at the foothills of the Himalayas. I uh, took a cabin and planned to go for 10 weeks. And so uh, I took supplies for 10 weeks and was terrified of the idea of, of just a short time before that, even going for a week seemed more daunting than, than I could uh, imagine. And uh, I mastered the, the courage and after some, some additional practice was going for this time. And so for a day, I scrubbed the, 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 the cottage and uh, put everything in order and uh, uh, with the adrenaline pumping of the, uh, uh, putting everything in shape and, and so forth. And the Sabbath is coming. I'm uh, connected to my Jewish roots. And so having this uh, ceremony of uh, preparing to have the ceremony of, of welcoming the Sabbath and uh, um, walking for the, the uh, sunset meditation walk uh, that, that I like to do and coming back to the room. And then I'm sitting in the middle of the room. Everything is in place. I've, for two days, I've been busy and toiled and, and uh, found myself uh, things to do. Nothing more to fix. Nothing more to put in order. Just me and four walls. And I'm sitting there and closing my eyes. And my mind is running amok. Such turmoil. Um, uh, waves of uh, of emotions flowing through me, uh, love and hate and fear and envy, and there's nothing there to pin it on. Nothing, absolutely nothing. It is a terrifying experience. One which, which as a medical uh, physician, uh, was similar to, uh, to what I saw in, in mental uh, patients. You know, you you you. Uh, and you suddenly realize the madness which, with which we live uh, normally. Only usually you're distracted. Uh, usually there are people around you. And so uh, when uh, a wave of anger comes in internally, we attribute it to this guy made me angry. And so I'm going to fix him or uh, fix the situation, etc. And so for me, it was uh, I had to go half the world away and to, uh, to, to uh, take some, some distance in order to uh, come to grip with reality of how different, how, how perverted our, my uh, worldview has been. Um, so it was a, a, a wonderful, uh, terrible shock, <laughs> which opened, opened the door for a lifelong uh, journey and commitment uh, to, uh, to do the best I can, gradually, gradually, of mastering the mind and, and helping others to do so. The peace that we find inside as we do so. And you don't have to be... Uh, fully enlightened to, to, uh, to reap the, the benefits of it. Every day that we dedicate our, um, some of our energy to uh, cleaning up the, what, what Mickey Singer calls cleaning up the inner mess is a day well spent and the fruits of it are felt. It takes some patience, but uh, extremely uh, rewarding and, and contagious in a sense that uh, we, the more we bring peace inside, the more we... Uh, are compelled in a positive sense to uh, uh, share it with others and the more it uh, contagiously 
affect uh, others who then affect others yet and that's how we change the world bit by bit <laughs> that's right that's right now that that's magnificent what a wonderful story thank you for sharing that I'm I'm really glad that that you were willing to share you and I both have a daughter named Maya wow yeah Maya's my youngest right. she's well, six years old how yeah. old your Maya okay and she's uh, 20. oh that's beautiful why did you decide to name your daughter Maya <laughs> I uh, from two different uh, uh, Maya in Sanskrit is the great illusion of the creative force of nature. So it is uh, the beauty of nature around it. Nature's veil with uh, veils the divine, the the unity which underlies diversity. The veil that that hides it is Maya. So Maya is the creative. A force uh, and the veil that that uh, uh, beautifully uh, uh, hides uh, uh, the, the unity of the divine uh, underlying diversity. It is also uh, in uh, in Arabic. Maya is uh, similar to Maim in Hebrew is water. I'm a freak of the Egypt. I traveled to Egypt many times. 11 times. You know, I, I come from Israel. Egypt was at war with Israel. Then there was the peace many years back. And uh, I love the Egyptians and the, the uh, I, have, I, I, I think I have the strong uh, karmic uh, connections from, from the past uh, uh, to Egypt. Anyway, when you travel to uh, Egypt, uh, I, and I highly recommend it, uh, Egypt is a country within the desert with a huge river in the middle, the Nile. Endless supply of water. And so for me, uh, this uh, Maya, this uh, water within the desert is sort of uh, uh, connected to this uh, same theme of the illusion, the great illusion. What could be more real than water in the desert? And yet it is uh, an illusion that... that uh, uh, hides the, the the unity of God that underlies this diversity, the desert and the water and all of it. Uh, what about the others? There are no others. <laughs> as <we said laughs> yeah. before. So that's uh, that's uh, my. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is something that I'm I'm really having a fun, I'm really having fun exploring some of these concepts that are very foreign to the Christian worldview in which I was raised. And, you know, whether they're true or not or any more true, I have no idea. But I know that having an understanding, sometimes simply having an understanding of something or an awareness is enough to bring a peace or an equanimity, you know, to something. So that's fun. Look, you know, in, in the uh, one of the things that, that's almost tragic in, in the... You you mentioned the, the uh, our roots in in, in uh, whatever religion we we uh, are brought uh, up in. Uh, often uh, there is in in religion there, there tends in structured religion there, there tends to be a rigidity which uh, our soul once it uh, it begins to to awaken becomes uh, constricted by this and uh, even allergic to it. Uh, and so it, it must uh, flee or break the walls. We often, as we, we progress on this uh, journey, uh, uh, since uh, all religions are manifestation of that same truth, which has been calcified uh, by, by uh, dogma and, and uh, structure, etc. But uh, so and so we often come full circle back to connect to reconnecting with our own roots uh, 
from a from a higher and, and more uh, relaxed uh, place. One which may be criticized or not uh, not not necessarily uh, understood by others. Uh, um, but th this is part of the maturity that that comes with. You know, when when a young child needs to to get yes no black white two plus two equals four, and then uh, there is a quantum physics and things that, that are uh, fuzzy logic and uh, they are just uh, and poetry and the things which uh, are uh, a step uh, further and so at first you need to break away from uh, from your origins ultimately uh, the deep truth is is one which resonates in, in all uh, religions and in traditions yeah and and I love you point to something like that by including one of the statements from Gandhi, which I hadn't heard this before, but I love this when he said, yes, I am a Hindu. I am also a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, and a Jew. <laughs> so Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, a yeah. beautiful perspective. Well, Isaac, I have enjoyed our conversation so much and getting to know you and building our friendship. And I commend you for the work you've done, the work you're doing. And I'm so elated to be on this journey with you and i definitely want to support you in helping spread the uh, the message about the gita and the peace it can bring and all the good the good that you're up to wonderful thank you so much for the for the platform and then for uh, your help in in, in uh, doing so uh, i i don't uh, uh, want to to step uh, uh, out of line uh, uh, here Brian, to something in me and um, uh, resonate uh, with uh, your reaching out and so uh, I'll be should you be interested I'd be happy to uh, continue this uh, dialogue and to uh, get to uh, know you uh, and, uh, and perhaps uh, see if there are uh, things that we want to do together sure absolutely I love that thank you Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life isn't working for many people. Whether it's in the developed world, where we're dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, divorce, jobs we hate, relationships that don't work, or people in the developing world who don't have access to clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education, or who live in conflict zones, there's a lot of people on the planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, I invite you to connect with me at goodliving.com. I've created Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated school, you're going through a divorce, you just got married, you're headed into retirement, you're starting a business, you just lost your job, whatever it is you're facing, I've developed a 36-week course that you go through with me and a community of achievers and seekers who are committed to improving their own lives and the lives of others. So through this online program, you will have the opportunity to go deep into every area of your life, explore life's big questions, create answers for yourself in community, get clarity and accountability. If that's something you're interested to learn about, I invite you to contact me directly at brian at brianmiller.com or by visiting goodliving.com.